I don't hate Italians. I just hate the Sopranos. Yeah, Italians are hard-working people. That's I don't hate the, the I don't hate the singing style of Soprano either. I just hate the TV show. Well, how can you hate it if you've never seen it? That's what people often ask. I don't know, Stizzy. Am I not allowed to dislike things I'm not interested in? I was about to say, prejudging is not in our vocabulary. Okay, I'm not interested in it. The end. Then there, say I, gave, I gave no judgment on it whatsoever. I just said I'm not interested in having an opinion on it. Now like, i gotta pay. Now i got to pay off this goddamn fine but not to the cops i'm going to that fence at abda's landing at hughes bane oh, you know where the asked. thieves guild live no i don't that's what i should have asked i have no idea how to get the thieves killed oh yeah you gotta have that little dlc and you go oh, to that yeah. little country uh i own already a shitload of dlc for this and i don't go to those places i think i'm i'm, I'm relatively certain i own the somerset yeah I think it's about time for you to get the hell out of Morrowind and see more of the world or what's left Fuck of it. Fuck this country. Yeah, that's the reason why I live. Uh, I often go to Anvil. That's basically my go-to place. It's the murder capital of the world because that's where the Dark Brotherhood is based from. <laughs> well, gotta run now. This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Logie S. Jarson. Uh, once again, joined today by my brother, uh, Thomas, a.k.a. Lord Master. Hello. How you doing? Hey, Loki. How are you? It's been a while, even though we could have recorded a, a weeks ago, but the damn summer heat really got to us the past few months. Yeah. Uh, I want to apologize if you hear that noise in the background. It's my air conditioning, but we live in South Texas, and it's one million degrees outside, so too bad. I'll do my best to edit out the buzzing, but... That's just something you're going to have to deal with on yes, my Yes, it's still the dog days of summer. Woof, woof. I'm absolutely editing that out. Uh, so what have you been up to this last Busy. Month? Just busy. Doing. What I've been doing um, is obviously the ongoing video series of Serial Kings 3 with something that's totally out of the ordinary. Which I'm not going to add okay. too much detail on it other than it's still ongoing for, I would predict, probably for another month before I could finally put that to bed and move on to something else. But there are other games I've All been right. doing too on the council. But doing that as well, including one of which was the game that I got on Game Pass, I believe. Uh, only because it's on there. And you kind of recommended me a little because knowing what I've been into ever since the last year. Yeah, and that's the um, the Mafia game. Um, not to like... Yeah, that wasn't on Game Pass. Yeah. Not to like Mafia Wars. That stuff I used to play on MySpace ages ago. Not those kind of games. I mean, it's from the uh, Mafia series of games. Which... Yeah, as a remake of the like, early 2000s PC game. I think it may have also been on PS2. And... Uh... I think they were like Deck 17 or Hangar 13, Hangar 18, one of the, uh, some damn Polish Hangar studio. Hangar 13. 
That was close. Uh, yeah, it, it is a full-on remake. The, I think it was just called Mafia Remake, right? It's called Mafia Definitive Edition. Well, I mean, it isn't a definitive edition because they actually redid everything from the engine. It's, it's kind of like what uh, Last of Us Part 1 is pretending to be. Except they actually improved on things. Yeah, I played that, I think, last year through Gamefly. Uh, I rented it. Previously, I had played 2 on the 360 and Mafia 3 on the 1. And they had remaster editions of, quote-unquote, remaster editions of those for uh, current gen. Uh, they kind of fucked up on the sequel. Like, Mafia 2 is really bad in terms of, like, playability. Uh, 3 is basically still the same game as it was at launch. Just, you know, if you enjoy doing the same thing over and over again, and I don't mind that at all, it's fine. Uh, what do you think of the Mafia remake, as I'll just call it from here? Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, graphically, it kind of looks like a game made in 2016, you know, which is around the same time as Mafia 3 came out, as you had to mention. Well, if you had actually friggin' played it on the Series S you still haven't opened, maybe it would look better. Who knows? Now, uh, we know, I mean, but then again, I could be talking about the whole genre of that, but that's, what we're just talking about the game in general. Well, for, for, okay, okay, well then fine, let's set it up. So, for some reason, you watch a lot of things, and one of the things you watch is Peaky Blinders, and for some ass reason, that led you into The Sopranos. So when I recommended a game along similar lines, you were half-ass interested, and then when it finally went on sale, you got it. It doesn't matter the order. That's the base ideas. That's the setup. Well, there's kind of an appeal to that to me, and this was concurrent of getting into the serial genre, so that's what the year 2021 is like for me, and I guess it's still continuing to this day. It's, it's basically been a year of serials and mobsters. I don't think that has anything to do with anything. I think it's just genre fiction, and one of the genre fictions you enjoy is uh, crime fiction. Yeah. And of the variety of crime fiction, you prefer from the criminal side rather than the police side. Yeah, uh, whereas whereas, uh, for the police ones, um, that's mainly from the Czech crime shows I've watched, especially if they are of a Nordic-influenced genre, you know, the one that's a bit more dark and gritty side of. Nordic-influenced Czech, which... Doesn't make any well, sense. I mean, they take inspiration from that. Heck, the most recent show I watched um, was set in Norway, but American and Norwegian made. That doesn't mean it has Norwegian influence. I would argue it's a comedy that has nothing to do with Nor- Norway. The setting is irrelevant. Anyways, the game... Yes, uh, that was set during the Great Depression in the fictional city of Lost Haven, Illinois. Yeah, it's supposed to be fake Chicago. I don't know why they didn't just call it Chicago. No one would have sued. Yeah, and that follows the rise and fall of Tommy Angelo, the Sicilian-American cab driver turned gangster within the Salary crime family. And and obviously it's an open-world game, but I wasn't that much into the open-world do-whatever. I was just strictly following the missions. Well, it, it, that's... None of the Mafia games, all of them call themselves open-world there's nothing to do in the open world in any of the games. All three of them, you just drive. It's like, yeah, you can drive wherever you want, I guess, or you can walk there. There ain't fuck all to do in the city. Yeah, you're just a wheel man. There's not, like, side activities. Yeah, there's the main mission, and that's it. And, uh, and of course, um, the whole story is, you know, how, again, he was a cab driver, then um, there's two mobsters, you know, and it's like, hey, get us out of here, and all that. 
And I was like, okay, fine. And I still remember that one little mission. It's kind of like in a transitionary period in the early game, which I probably want to go back and record that clip in case that happens again, which I find a little funny. Where there, So you could say, before I became a made man in the game, uh, where I was a cab driver, and it's like, there's this old lady. It's like, hey, can you take me from this one part to the other? But what's funny is it's like, it's like, okay, picked her up and then drove uh, down a block and then turned to the left. Boom, destination. I'm like, you could have just walked all the way over there. What the hell? No, you couldn't have. It was the 1920s. The streets were terrible. Not like 2020s Chicago, which is like, I'm sure, the safest city in America, right, Beetlejuice? That's like being the nicest guy in prison. Anyways... <laughs> So, yeah, the story escalates. You uh, escort two criminals. You know, you're their impromptu wheelman, and then because you discover things you maybe shouldn't have, they either kill you or have no choice to induct you into the, the family, so to speak. And indeed they do, and that is the impetus for the rest of the game. Yeah. And the, the, the two, just real quick, the two sequels sort of kind of follow the narrative, kind of, sort of, and that you play re semi-related people, too, uh, Angelo and what's his boss's name? The, the actual family, Salieri. Yeah. Yeah, things related to the Salieri family have consequences all the way into the third game. So it ties kind of. Yes, yeah, but I think I just think they they all are standalone stories. Although interestingly, um, for the remake of something that the original game did not have is um, that they added some new activities in the free ride mode, which I haven't done that yet, which includes taxi missions and a. Racing mode, which takes place in the auto jump, which is featured in a mission called Fair Play, <laughs> and and also um, and also you get to play it in black and white, which is if you are going to be into that noir stuff. If you're going to be an idiot who can't see anything, yes, it's great. Oh, is the light red or green? No idea. Uh, yeah, the racing scene is kind of infamous from the old PC version, so much so that they had to patch it out or patch in a skip because it was so uncontrollably unplayable. Uh, when I replayed it, it took me two tries to actually win the damn thing because you have to just win the race. You can't just participate. And uh, it's open-wheel racing. Of those old, like, tube cars that just look like a big fucking dildo on wheels. And they're really hard to control, so best of luck whenever you get there. Reminds me of some of the stuff that I've seen from you. I mean, we kind of mentioned that game before when we talked about Racing Games Journal. Uh, the Saboteur, that racing yeah, but that was in Paris in the 1940s. They still did open-wheel bullet cars. And, you know, like in 20 years, nobody had a better idea for a car. Of what it's supposed to look like other than, can it go fast? Yeah, I guess, like, aerodynamically they had a good idea, but the problem is, like, they were the most unsafe shit on Earth because no one... Seatbelts literally hadn't been invented. Uh, limiters on engines. Uh, the fuel was different, you know. And, of course, the open-wheeling, the... the fact that you could just get your wheel caught in a branch and die because the thing flipped because we were going 200 miles an hour. That's the thing is like speed hasn't changed all that much. We aren't going that much faster in modern racing than we were 100 years ago. It's just your uh, the vehicles are easier to control. But I've already talked about racing games before. Why are we talking about this? Mafia, go back to it. Yeah. I mean, who knows what kind of stuff we would be saying for such things. Because, you know, it's like there are some things I don't want to say too much. Otherwise, I would want to get whacked. I, I'm not interested in crime fiction from the criminal's perspective any longer. Uh, I watched Breaking Bad, and I don't need any more of it. 
Look, I enjoyed the show at the time for what it was, as you like to say. I enjoyed it for what it was. But I don't need any more perspective from the criminal. I, I, I'm, I'm tired, tired of, of the criminal element. I'm tired of pretending the bad guys are the good guys. Which is the other thing in Mafia. It's like, eventually in that game, you're going to shoot a bunch of people dead. <laughs> and you have to realize as the player, it's like, oh, I'm an asshole. This is akin to GTA protagonists. It's like, you're the protagonist, but you're not a hero. You're not a good person in any stretch of the imagination. And I'm really tired of games that do that. Most... I no longer wish to play a game where you're a bad guy pretending he's a good guy. Well, some just want to survive in their livelihoods, you know. You gotta put food on the table for their families. Some get into that line of work. Yes, and that's the narrative of the story, but that's not the gameplay of the story. To me, the game part is the most important part of a video game. Not the video part. A story and, and characters and, you know, good themes, all that shit. Ancillary. Extra. Is it fun to play? And I'll be honest, the Mafia remake, not terribly fun to play for me. The stealth missions, the stealth missions later on are very frustrating in terms of timing. Because it's like, oh, you can't move until this guy turns around. So just fucking sit and hope his AI scripting turns around. I right, turn around, run, go, 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 go. Oh, you got caught because his AI scripting didn't let him not turn around. Yeah, that happens. It sucks. And it should be programmed better for a remake. So again, it's from 2002, whatever that was the standard at that time. The original, yes. Um, it's just, it was what it was. Yeah, but it should be better now. You're going to remake it, fucking improve it. Don't just improve it visually, you can improve it mechanically. I was about to say, you say you want to improve the gameplay more. That's the more important part, dude. That's the part that matters, is the part you're using. The least, I said this before, but like the worst parts of any video game, any video game, are the parts you're not playing. If you're watching cutscenes, it's cool for story and character, but you're not involved in it, you're going to be less, you're less paying attention, less give a shit, because it's not in your control. And I believe this is true of everything. Even things I really, really like, I still think it's true. Because <clears throat> while, well, we'll get into this in the movie chat here in a minute, but like, characters and story are really good. But that's not the reason necessarily I enjoy a piece of art or a piece of entertainment. It's just like, I, I want a, a well-executed idea. I want questions that are logically answered. I don't want questions for questions' sake. I want actions leading to consequence, leading to more actions. You know, if we can have grand spectacle, we can have emotional payoffs, but the best films that are managed to... You know, balance all this shit together. Blend it well into an interesting piece of film or TV or game. Yeah, you're talking about arcs. An arc is just you know, a, a nice way of saying getting from A to B. It's like we, we have a character start here and they end up here. Did they grow as a character? Did they lessen? Did they learn any lessons? Uh, you know, did they improve? Did they improve the people around them? And I'll say this for that, for the Mafia games, there are absolutely arcs in that way. There's no spoilers for the first game, but I'll spoil the second and third because you're not going to play those. I've just based that uh, your behest. Well, I think the problem is that they play differently than the first one. The first one's very dry in terms of what you actually do. You know, you drive a lot of cars and you shoot a lot of guys. And that's true of the other two as well. But the third one adds like triple the stealth elements. And it's more of a city control simulator. It's like, okay, I want control of, you know, fake New Orleans. So we're going to take out these bosses. Okay, how do we take out the bosses? We take out the lieutenants. Okay, how do we take out the lieutenants? We take out their rackets. Okay, how do we take out their rackets? We go to the place and we shoot everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not about cutting off of the arm of the monster, it's about killing the monster. Ah, it has nothing to do with it. That's irrelevant. The Mafia 3 is about a revenge story. Dick fuck to do with morality. Because you're not a good person at all in Mafia 3. I go, they know that from the get-go. Which is why I think I like it the most of the three. And uh, I know Rob, the, one of the co-hosts on this show from a while back, really didn't like Mafia 3 gameplay-wise. Because you do just kind of do the same thing over and over, like I described, to just go to place, shoot things, get information on bosses, kill bosses, go to the couple, blah, blah, blah. But I think narratively it serves itself very well in terms of you're betrayed at the outset and, you know, it's a story of revenge, you know? Uh, getting your way back to the top. But there's no nothing after that top, and I think that's the most interesting part of it. Because you get underling bosses that work under you. Like, you're the Mafia boss now, right? Mm -hmm. So, at the end of the game, if you balance out territories right, everyone likes you. But if you've given too much territory to a lieutenant and not enough to another one, they'll rebel on you. Uh, so it's like, well, okay, do you want to eliminate... You, you can finish the game in two ways. Of uh, making everyone equally happy, which is kind of difficult, because they complain no matter what. And, or make... Uh, having them turn on you, and you have to kill two of the three. So now only one person controls all the territory. Oh, uh, now I get it. This is just like, well, Crusader King 3. It's like taking care of your unruly vassals. Yes, the difference being that there's no direct consequences for killing them. Yeah, and plus feudal contracts as compared to, you know, contracts of modern world. Mm -hmm. And you don't got to... I'm, but I'm saying, like, like there's, there's technically... This is not a great analogy, because Crusader Kings has theoretically infinite vassals and people that Actually, will rebel against there you. there is a limit, depending on your country tier, like your tier tower, whatever you're a duke or a king or emperor. Okay. Well, Moffat is only three underlings, so only two of the three can turn against you. But the actual ending of the game is, like, you're confronted with a more of a moral choice in terms of, like, Okay, now you control all the crime in the city. Now you're the top criminal. It's like, okay, now what? You're the top criminal. It's like, oh yeah, I did all this for revenge and I end up taking over all the rackets in the city. So the game offers you is like, okay, well, kill all your underbosses and end the crime in the city or just walk away from it. And if you kill all your underbosses, actually you don't end the crime, you become the ultimate crime lord. And uh, it's like, or you drive away and leave the city to its own devices. I think narratively it's great. Gameplay, it's the same thing over and over, and if you don't mind that, it's probably the best of the three. But uh, it depends how much you enjoy sneaking around and whistling over boxes. Uh, yeah, you, it's like, hey, come here. Yeah, you got me intrigued there. I think three, three is worth playing. Two is kind of a mess. I liked it back in the 360 days, but the remaster did no favor. They actually remastered two? Yes, but they did, I don't know what happened. It, it's... It's worse than almost every conceivable When did way. it came out? It's a colossal fuck-up. The same time as Mafia re Remake. They released all three. They re-released uh, two and three. Wasn't aware of that. I thought it was only the first. Well, I don't know how many improvements three has. But two was on the 360, so they ported it to the one, you know. And the uh, first one is a complete remake of an old PC game or PS2 game. And three, they didn't really do too much because I believe it was an Xbox One game initially. So then, you know, bumped it up a little bit. But yeah, 2 is a mess. Uh, let me know when you finish the first game so I can tell you what happens in the second game. Because it kind of leads into it. Right. Anyways, anything more to say in the Mafia? Uh, 
nothing really other than this is all set in the golden age, right? Okay, golden um, age. Days before Rico. <laughs> if you want to call it that, sure. I don't think internet or uh, interstate law prevents someone from disobeying the law. It's not really the point. Yeah. It's like, oh, you crossed state lines. Now it's a worse crime. It's like, okay, I guess I just won't cross state lines committing crimes anymore. The end. Yeah, which is, again, it's all about being in this this thing of ours. And as, as opposed to, like, GTA, where you never leave the one city, so it's like, well, any crimes you commit here are just, you know, local? Yeah. It's like, I guess you could get the FIB, what do they call the FIB in that game on you? Yeah, Maybe. yeah, you're correct. Eh, I don't know. At least GTA takes a more lighthearted stance on the whole criminal ideas all the games do. Because they're supposed to be fun. They're not trying to tell a deep, meaningful story. It's like, go out there and have fun, kid. Mafia games are not about going out there and having fun. Oh, no, because that's kind of like, hey, don't do this thing. Don't you do it. And then you did it. Mm -hmm. And that means trouble. And in what way, I ask you, is that an open world game? Mm -hmm. uh, what else? What else we got? Mm-hmm. So we're moving on from that waste management business to, um, it, like, you know that question that you saw on Microsoft the other week or month? And, and then... Uh, I'd have to check, yeah. I think it was, it was directly Xbox. It was like Xbox was like, you know, uh, you know Twitter's a hell pit. And sometimes they'll have trending things. It's like, oh, what was the best anime you've ever seen? What was the worst anime you've ever seen? Uh, what's the best movie you've ever seen? What's the worst movie? And it's like, uh, what is the video game? Uh, what's the best video game? And it's like, what's the first video game? It's like, well, I'm pretty sure my first video game was, uh, what did I say? Space Invaders? Mm -hmm. And not because I'm that old, because I played it on PC at uh, Melba's Place in Austin. I don't think you'll remember that. I'm fine with saying that. Actually, I'm not 100% sure you were born yet, so you probably don't you gotta remember. Gotta be 90 or 91. <laughs> yeah, it was a fuck long time ago, but I remember... I played uh, Space Invaders, and then Asteroids, and then Pac-Man, all in that same floppy. Uh, they're all terrible. Those are all awful video games. I can't believe so many people love them for so many Was that years. all on an Apple computer or something? No, it was like, it was like some dang... I swear it was a floppy. I know it was on PC. I, I couldn't... I didn't own the software, so I don't know what format it was in. But in terms of, like, what was the other questions? I'm going to have to freaking look, aren't I? Yeah, just, just dig it up. Just dig it up from that ancient archive. Uh, a lot of my complaints about Gamescom since when we recorded this. Yeah, save that for Stizzy and Rob if they were to talk about that. Can't be that long ago. You know Twitter sometimes hides your tweets? Did you know has this ever happened? No. Okay, maybe it's just me then. Maybe they're just fuckers. I don't tweet as much as you do. It's just 33 a month. That's nothing. Oh. Whereas I only tweeted nearly 1,200 times, but I was what's less frequent these days. Oh yeah, Twitter reprimanded me when I told uh, Star Wars I was getting real tired of your shit. Well, that's on you, buddy. They, they played... The, well, no, no, it, they, it was after Celebration, right? And they played the Star Wars... I wasn't. I unfollowed them, but I saw, saw it from something else. I unfollowed them with the whole Reva crap. And uh, they played the clip from Episode 2 where... Uh, Obi-Wan says to Anakin, you look tired. And it's like, oh yeah, because they're tired of the convention. I was like, yeah, I'm real tired of your shit. 
and Twitter is like, oh, most tweeters don't reply like this. I hit reply, that instantly set up. I was like, oh, fuck you running. How You are protecting six million accounts and me and nobody. How dare I attack the corporation? Still looking for that tweet. It's, it's not here. Okay. It's gone. Um, then maybe we could just, I'll just name it down and then maybe you'll, it'll trigger a memory for you. How the fuck did this happen? Uh, oh, I actually took a screenshot of the games that you mentioned. Oh, you yeah. did? Well, go for it. Okay, you said the Space Invaders PC was your first, right? Mm -hmm. Your last one was Chorus, as of July 26th of that post. Where the hell did it go? I found it. It was in replies. Yeah. God damn, this tour. Yeah, July 26th on replies. Okay, yeah, okay. So the first, I'll just do mine. It was Space Invaders. I put invades. No wonder no one looked at it. Uh, Chorus, Low Big Adventure 2 was her favorite. Most played probably Skyrim. Next one, the next I want to play next. Uh, Gotham Knights. And the, they asked a really dumbass question, which was the first game you show a caveman. And I said that Sneak King game from Burger King, because both ideas are ridiculous. I'm not replying that uh, it's ridiculous to show a caveman a video game. I'm replying that cavemen, the idea of cavemen are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Worse, I'm all about the ape man shit. No, that's that's ape shit. It's not uh, real. No, I'm just saying that for funnies. Okay, I'll edit my bit then. So what what is on your arbitrary list? Well, since this was written a few weeks ago, so I think it's largely unchanged because I know what I did. Yes, yes. I, I, we probably should have mentioned this at the top of the show, but we've been delaying this episode like a month. Yeah. We're like, do you want to do Saturday? It's like, how about next Saturday? How about next Saturday? And then, like, weather and, and then, exhaustion. And last Saturday movie. we were going to do it, and then uh, we got into... We were both too fucking tired. Yeah. So anyways, my first game, as far as memory is concerned, is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. See, now, I'm going to dispute every one of these. Ready? Okay. I don't remember you playing that. I remember Nick and I playing that. I don't remember you playing I played that. it. With me? Um, sometimes alone whenever you two are in school. Uh, or, or whatever grades you were at that time. You didn't tell me about that. That was my console. You're not allowed to touch it. Okay, what's next? Uh, the last game I played, which was last night. At the time of, at the time of writing this list, or you're updating uh, it? No, no, no. I had it listed there. And then did play that same last game last night. Which I played was Marvel's Avengers, which I recently got an achievement. Mm -hmm. okay. The five, the five super hives. No, it was reaching the power level of one of the heroes to 150. Reached the max. Okay. Did it with. Let me guess, Widow. Kate Bishop. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Next. Um, my favorite game, uh, which is kind of arguable to myself. But, but but since 2008, I would still maintain that my favorite game is Civilization Four. I mean, it's a big influence of all things strange. I mean, I still play it to this day on occasions due to the mods that some people still update to this day. Mm -hmm. That's fair. And a uh, game that I play the most, as in hours or days, or months or even years spent... It's got to be CK2 by this point, right? After 5,000 hours since 2017... <laughs> I don't know about that, but what I listed, the game I play the most, is The Oregon Trail, regardless of version. 
There's no way you play 5,000 hours of Oregon Trail. So it, it doesn't last 30 minutes. Yeah, but nowadays I just play it on a uh, semi-basis um, because I do it every three months. That's fine, but the, the videos still aren't four hours. I once did a two-hour video on that. I'm still disputing this. Next. The game that I want to play next, as in which upcoming game... Hasn't come out yet, yes. Which, unfortunately, I never look forward to any upcoming games as a norm for me. But if there is one, I would say whenever is the next Elder Scrolls game. Oh, you're going to be waiting quite a bit then. Yeah, I'm not that terribly worried. Yeah, you don't, you're not a person who's like really plugged into video game news. You just like what you like and play what you play, which is totally fine. Uh... I'm not disputing that at all. Yeah. And now the dumbass caveman. Yeah, the first game that I showed to a caveman, Murder, 1994. Just kidding, Ping Pong. So you mean Pong? Yeah. Easy for him to understand, you know? See, my issue is, the question in itself is ridiculous. Like, let's not dispute the existence of caveman, because they didn't. But let's dispute the, let's not even go back that long. Let's go back 100 years. 1920s, they're the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, in the in the 20s, you know, when Mafia took place. If you show them the Mafia game, it's beyond understanding of what they're looking at. Because they didn't even have, port like, regular television access then. Television was only just being done, so it's an absurd question. Okay, let's not even go back that far. Let's go only go back 50 years. Oh, uh, that would be... 72. Yeah. That's when the West like, went okay, 70. wild. <laughs> the 72, show them fucking whatever. What's the equivalent game from the 70s? No, there aren't many. There are a lot of games set in the 80s, but not enough set in the 70s. Fuck it, show them the Avengers thing. You know, the comics have been around for a while. Look at this electronic thing. You barely understand. You don't understand the meaning of this thing. Go back 10 years and show someone something. I, I don't like these dumb conversations. On a very old episode of this podcast, if it's still available, uh... I went to uh, PAX South in San Antonio, and on the panel, they had a bunch of video game journalist people, who I all now hate, but uh, the, the head of the panel asked them a really stupid-ass question. He was like, what game would you show Da Vinci if you wanted to tell him what video games were? And I'm like, who the fuck cares? What does that mean anything? It's like, oh, it's like arts, and Sessler, I believe, was on the panel. He was like, oh, you do the outline of the painting, but I finished it off. And it's like, who gives a fucking fuck this pretentious nonsense? That's why I reject the caveman question in its entirety. It's like, if you want the question to be, what game would you show to someone who doesn't play video games to convince them they should, that's a great conversation. A ubiquitous, absurd caveman question? Stupid question. Pick a better question, I'll give you a better answer. Plus, uh, showing it to Da Vinci. Da Vinci's a very busy man. He's never had free time in his life, I believe. Also, electronics. It's a stupid question. Pick a better question. I would, even say, I would allow up to five years ago. That's as far as I'm willing to time travel to show someone a video game. I don't want to show my younger self the video games I play now. Absolutely not. We have enough time travel problems, and we'll get to those in couple of minutes here. Time travel, as the Hulk would say. As dumbass Hulk would say. He's not smart. Because he ain't smart in that film, I'll tell you what. Uh, anything else? Yeah. It's, it's, you mentioned about someone ain't smart. Well, cavemen weren't smart either. That's why they went extinct to some. 
damn Neanderthals. Well, they didn't exist either, which is real. It's it yeah. It's like they either may have existed or those bones that we were looking at must have been deformed over the years. Ugh, this is not the time and place for propaganda. I mean, it is, but video game propaganda is what we should be talking about. So next, movies. So set this part up. Uh, every year for the last few years, I've been rewatching all the MCU Marvel. Well, all the good, <laughs> all the ones I enjoy, the MCU Marvel movies. Um. Starting with Iron Man and going all the way to Endgame, because this is really kind of, and plus one, like two bonus Spider-Man movies, that's kind of where they stop for me, in terms of my enjoyment of them. Um, and this year I finally involved you, for reasons that we don't need to get into in real life stuff. It's just we found an opportunity. I believe, I don't remember how long ago you saw Civil War with me. Last year, last July. Last year when I did the, <laughs> the summer watch through? Okay. Uh, yeah, because we didn't have any time... internet after that one air lightning strike. Oh, yeah, that was a hell of a day. Anyways, um... You wanted to see a few of these uh, movies, and I thought, well, you don't need to see all 22. It's because I don't watch all 22. There's two specifically that I skip. And so it's like, well, what, what, how much time do we have here on this, like, three, four days? It's like, okay, what can we watch in three or four days? It's like, okay. I'm putting all the four Avengers movies, like, one, Age of Ultron, Infinity War, and Endgame. It's like, okay, what is necessary to complete that saga? It's like, well, I think Winter Soldier is necessary, and you've already seen Civil War, so it helps tie it in, so let's add that to the pile. Is anything else terribly necessary? It's like, uh, like, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, I guess, helps set up a lot of things that happened in Infinity War, so that one. And, uh, I think that's all we got, yeah. right? You had see previously seen Iron Man 2 on your own? Was that the day before we yeah, started? Yeah, that was the day before we started, just out of dumb luck. It happened to be on television yeah, or something? Yeah, it was on TNT. Uh, so you had context for that, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, I can gush all day about this sort of thing, because, you know, I don't want to tear them just yet, but I think definitely, like, 75% of these movies are good entertainment, and then, you know, we can elevate 25% to, like, objectively good ideas. And, you know, like, two or three movies to be, like, really, really good and universally good in terms of both logical payoff and emotional payoff but some of the movies are only like well this is only emotional payoff and the logic of it is kind of fucked uh but from your end you came into it like way backwards because you uh model we've previously talked about this but you modeled one of the gta uh, yes. characters that they're like widow and then you like the, the movie and i really hated the movie but we already talked about that yeah. and so you came in kind of Basically, I started at the beginning of Phase 4. Yeah, the worst possible spot. <laughs> but, but for me, I know nothing about it. It's just, I uh, read some stuff about it, and then I just said, oh, get into it. Um, at this time. Because you had a source of inspiration, and you should watch the ones that wanted in the first place. Yeah, I didn't. we didn't need to go all the way back to 2008's Iron Man, and Incredible Hulk, and then Iron Man 2, and... Fucking Thor and Captain America one. So like, yeah, you can on your own time go ahead to give you more and more context. But at a certain point, you're overloaded with context, and you only need so much to watch the the big four. Such and as also it. needed that open time as well. That's another thing we I often have trouble with, as well as me with yeah. my very large amount of different interests, including that mafia stuff we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So. 
my views on the Marvel movies are pretty much well known for this podcast. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the films we saw? So where do we want to begin? At the beginning. Such as like Iron Man Two. I mean, I. What were your thoughts on that? I mean, this is before I just. Uh, it's before Phase Four. It was the worst Marvel movie for me of all of them. What's the reason? And again, so part of it is visual. The visual of that scene where Tony is drunk. You can very clearly tell Robert Downey's not wearing the suit. And they they fixed this later because they hadn't yet invented the technology to not make it look stupid. But it's so glaringly obvious to me in that scene. Secondly, the whole point of him being drunk in the comics is because, not because he's depressed because he's dying like in a film, but because he's having a very hard time adjusting to everything going on in his life. And Tony and Iron Man 2 movie is just like, well, I'm dying, fuck it, let's just go crazy. And it's like, well, it's kind of a lame reason to be an asshole. It's like, I'm just going to give my suit away to my friend. Yeah, have it. Ooh, I'm a dick. And it's like, man, this is a really shitty way to get this story across. And the villain, played by Mickey Rourke, Whiplash, although he's never called that in the movie, is awful. His Russian accent is terrible. That's a bone of contention with me and Black Widow, the bad Russian accents. Uh, yeah, I don't like Iron Man 2. It's like, oh, but it introduced Black Widow. I don't care. It's a bad film. Next. <laughs> Well, my reaction to it, I, uh, which I'm only going to use it by memory, based on what I wrote to my uh, friends who I will not mention here. We don't need to talk yeah, about I that. just said, I say to this one guy, I liked it. I was into it, which might be the similar reactions that I'll have when I watch all those Avengers movies for the first time. Here's, here's a positive about Iron Man 2 that will help lead into the other films. I think the other villain, Justin Hammer, is really good. Uh, what, did we ever find out what that guy's name was? Sam Rockwell, the actor? right? Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I believe it's Sam Rockwell. We don't need to look it up. But I think he does a really good job of playing, like, Mirror Universe Tony Stark. You know, he's also a rich weapons manufacturer and super up-his-own-ass dickhead. And he's, you know, personable and uh, very charismatic in terms of, like, acting capability. The, the, what little character he gets, his screen presence. Like, oh, this guy's cool. Why can't he be the real villain instead of lame-ass whiplash? Yeah. He got me a few chuckles when I was watching that. Yeah, it's funny. It's well-written. But, uh, yeah, we can't have any things. And unfortunately, that was his only appearance. He never came back for anything. It fucking sucks. Mm. Uh, cool. Then, we start, you and I started the movies with Avengers 1, right? Yes, uh, the first Avengers, 2012. No, not the first Avenger. That's Captain America or Captain oh, Marvel, depending on who you ask. These racks. <laughs> the movie's just called The Avengers, unless you live in the UK, in which case they already had that shitty movie based on that shitty TV show. Yeah. Uh, what do you think yeah, of that it's called film? called Avengers Assembled over in the UK. Uh, what did mm-hmm. I think about that? Oh, uh, trying to think in my head, because other than what my initial comments was, but of course I changed it over time. So I would say that I really enjoyed it. Um, as a way to kick off these series of Avengers movies that we've been watching. I think I think it's the only Avengers movie that works as a standalone film. Because you can get context for the other heroes like watching their solo movies, but you don't need context to enjoy Avengers. I think you need a lot of context for Ultron, Infinity, End. I don't think you need it for the first one. I think it's a good enough standalone. Yes, uh, I mean... I really enjoyed it because I liked the storytelling and the pacing of it. That's the most important thing with me, the pacing. Mm-hmm. 
the movie speeds up when it needs to speed up and slows down when it needs yes, to slow exactly. down. Yes, exactly. I can get into mm -hmm. the 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 quiet drama scenes just as much as the loud action scenes. Yeah, that was a big staple of certainly phase one of MCU. It's like we're going to spend a lot of time talking and introspection to give you the emotional payoff of the action because the action is always going to be emotional. But, you know, the conversations that the heroes can have out of their suits and not transformed in just regular humans is important because it sets up the payoff. And that's, for me, one of the most important things in movies, especially. It's like set up and payoff. It's like, okay, this thing. What is the consequence of this thing? This thing. Oh, good. It makes sense. And it's fun. It's an inter it's entertainment and it makes... It's consistently logical and consistently uh, good with the emotional payoffs. Uh, I think then we moved on to Captain America 2 because you'd already seen Civil War, right? Yeah. Moved on to... The Winter Soldier. Which is technically, we kind of viewed and, it as part of the Avengers series because of the other characters uh, of that team. Well, it helps, it helps, again, I, I put that one on the list because I think it helps set up Civil War. Which I wish you'd seen that one before Civil War because it sets so much of the basis of Civil War because the whole basis is like, uh, you know, Bucky Barnes is a fucking nut job. we need to bring him in. He's like, no, he was mind controlled. And it's like, well, only you know that dude. And it's like, yeah, well, from this movie he knows that. Um, uh, there's not a lot of evidence to support it because it blew up, such as it is. I've always described Winter Soldier as like a more political thriller until the end where he crashes three helicarriers, but you know. Well, it's the climax. Suspense. I guess, but like the destruction of that film. Like, do you remember in Civil War where Ross shows up and he's like, you guys have destroyed a lot of cities and I'm here to make sure you're held accountable for it. And it's like he wasn't really held accountable for the destruction in Winter Soldier. Like, yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, it's a movie, but I do think it's a very good movie. Not doesn't make the most logical consistency, and there are no emotional payoffs for me unless you really care about Stephen Bucky's platonic friendship. You fucking weirdos on the internet—they were just friends. They were friends in the '40s. There were no gay friends in the '40s. I'm gonna edit that part out. Uh, what did you think of that? My God, it was fun. I very much enjoyed it, it much more than Avengers uh, at that time when I was watching it. I was considering mm -hmm. for a good period of time till we get to the later ones, like it was my second best movie out of that series. Well, they, they, I think they do escalate, right? They escalate to the climax of Infinity War and Endgame is kind of a payoff in terms of like when you ramp up the stakes and then there are bigger stakes and bigger stakes and it's like, ah, the universe is the stakes or half the universe is the stakes. Uh, I also really like the scene, the elevator scene, because it sets up the elevator scene in Endgame. It's like, well, that's the other reason I wanted to put it on the list. Because it's like, oh, he won't get the payoff of the Endgame scene unless he sees the setup in Winter Soldier. Because <laughs> we're time traveling. Uh, what, was, what was after uh, that? Age we went right of Ultron. back to, right into Ultron, yes. right? <sighs> Ultron is largely considered the worst Avengers movie, and of the four. And I agree with that. There's a lot of things I don't like about it. I would put it in, like, the bottom half of the big list. There's a lot of really good things in Ultron. It's just, like, the character work, I think, is just... <sighs> that that Black Widow Hulk shit sucks, and I hate uh, I it. I was a little uncomfortable with that, personally. I... It's... I don't know why we didn't put that in. Those two actors had no chemistry with each other. Uh, he looks, like, 20 years older than her. It's just, it's, it was gross and uncomfortable. And I understand thematically, it's like, 
Okay, look, we sent Black Widow to recruit the Hulk. Therefore, she has a rapport with the Hulk. So she's the only one that can calm Hulk down. It's like, really? The only one? How'd she do it? By being sexy. It's like, oh, man. That's not a good way to do that. And then, you know, real life stuff happens. It's like, well, the actress was pregnant when they did the scenes where she was like, oh, I can't get pregnant. Because uh, yeah, that, the original was, Red Room before they fucked Yeah, that her. was the main reason why I was felt uncomfortable with it. I was like, you know what they do to people, right? <laughs> what they'll do to you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, like, the rest of the film, I think, works well enough in terms of, like, you know, Hawkeye has the most screen time of that movie. Uh, that's certainly a better Hawkeye movie than the Hawkeye TV show was for his fucking character. Well, that's that's a whole uh, other story. Yes, I agree. Hawkeye is bad as a TV no, show. No, not to me. But uh, the for different reasons, because this was during a period of time where I was objectively, objectively. Let's take emotion out of it. Objectively, it does no one any favors. It helps no one. It helps all the TV shows. And we'll talk about this after Endgame. But like all the TV shows do is set up the next TV show. For the most part, I say like more than half of these Marvel movies stand on their own they can lead into something else they don't have to the TV shows all lead into something else and that's annoying uh, what do you think of yeah, Ultron? I was about to say get my thoughts on that movie um, is since most people have said that this was the weakest of the series or the least favorite least liked um, I mean I wouldn't use those words all I could just say is good but not great um, because you know much like the other TV shows I watch, where uh, where we mentioned Sopranos earlier, where I, all the episodes are great, and even the ones that aren't great are still good, and that's how I feel about Age of Ultron. It's still good, um, but I don't want to say, I but I don't want to say too much about it. Falls. That's more of a your analysis thing, because you're into the Marvel stuff longer than I am. I think it's another one that's helped by the charismatic villain. Oh, yeah. Like, James Spader as sassy robot really works in that film, even if it doesn't make too much logical sense. It's like, why does this robot got so much attitude? Yeah, it's like, probably yeah, the it's Stark Tech thing. That's what I said to you when we were watching that. Probably yeah. messes with it a little. Oh. His, his personality kind of played in. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, what do you, we can only go so far in these things making sense, yeah. really. And even... uh. One of the friends asked to me about Scarlet Witch because that's her first uh, actual appearance in that movie, other than that little cameo in Winter Soldier. And asked me what I think of it, and I said I don't know what to think about her personally. I find her complex and sometimes a little nuts to me. Well, she was a misguided villain, and then by the end of Ultron, she's like, "Yeah, right. I'm full in on the hero stuff." Unfortunately, where we are now in Phase Four, they've ruined her back to villain status. But uh, that's the future's problem. Ultron is a, is a good movie, but it's got a lot of problems. I don't think the problems outweigh the entertainment. No, it's not going to mar it. Uh, what's after? I think we went to Guardians next. Uh, I, I mean, obviously we can bypass Civil War. We already had our... We did see Civil War, and I, th- I don't remember if we discussed no, it. No, I don't think we ever discussed it, because obviously when we did that last year, we recorded it right af- a day after the Black Widow release. Oh, okay. So we uh, never discussed Civil War here. Okay, well, I think it's objectively the best Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Um, I think it has the best character work. It has the most tight plot stuff. It has consequences for actions leading to more actions. It has logical, you know, the people who pick the sides, quote-unquote, pick the logical side for them. 
and even those who make emotional decisions like oh that makes sense for you at the time uh the, the reasonings for why everyone does something makes sense very i'm sure you can nitpick and say like okay this is a stupid decision this is a stupid decision certainly that's true of every film but it has the least amount of stupid in terms of like superhero content uh i personally think it's my favorite and it is the emotional payoff hits so much better because of the logical consistency and because the right questions are being answered with the right answers what did you think based on memory since it's been over a year since i last watched it <laughs> unless if i want to go into that phase of re-watching stuff and that would definitely be on my list um mm -hmm. i mean i'm inclined to agree with you that one is likely my favorite out of a whole series of movies that relates to the avengers and all that even though it's a captain and america it has the most and it has the, yeah, it's the other thing. It's like Captain America 3, Civil War. It has the most, I'm sorry, the most. It's like Zemo as a villain is the least imposing, quote-unquote, let's say, in terms of like physical presence because he's just a guy. He's just a human man with no powers, but he's able to emotionally manipulate enough people. You know, he's got this grand plan to fuck with Iron Man enough and fuck with Bucky enough to get them in this position where he can, like, destroy the Avengers from within and he never had to kill any of them and it's like man that's a much smarter way than just trying to blow them up like everyone else tries to blow them up even Thanos so it's a very smart film maybe the smartest superhero movie ever uh, yeah you just in terms of like the, the, the decisions characters make not in terms of the logic of the story yeah you did describe it to me last year that movie had a lot of heart to it well yeah because because it's set up well you understand why Steve says and does what he does. You understand why uh, Tony says and does what he does. They, they're consistent and they make sense for that character. Like, they butt heads for a good reason. Now, what happens after them is kind of, again, it's like, well, let's take the movie as a movie, a standalone. Uh, as a standalone, everything makes sense and is pretty tight as a film. And the reason things happen uh, makes sense, and that's why it's the best. It, it, does, it does everything that a good movie should do irrelevant of the genre a good movie should make sense its emotional payoffs are backed up by logical storytelling it's a good story and it's told well that's all i really want and all the superhero shit is bonus because i grew up with that crap it's, yeah, it's almost like it's it could have orders yeah. better than the civil war comic. i was about to say it could it could be sent in any type of genre of that kind of story it's just a habits to be in the absolutely. superhero genre yes absolutely uh, from there we moved to yeah, we, Infinity War. Right? Uh, we took a, we took a detour on Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I thought because we were talking about Guardians and we moved to Civil War. Guardians is the complete opposite of Civil War <laughs> in terms of tone. It's very, very lighthearted. There's a lot of, you know, sad moments in it. But the fucking music and the visuals and the space, you know, it's not space opera. It's like space trucking. It's just, just happening and explosions and music and music. I mean, jokes and laughter and it's not the most lighthearted mcu movie but it's way up there in terms of tone it's refreshing at that point because I, I can't remember if this came up right before or right after civil war like uh theatrical release wise i think it was right before i might remember. i don't remember what did you think of guardians oh it was pretty entertaining to me <laughs> like i just did not know what to expect i mean you picked that movie for us to watch because you said it's because of the whole Infinity Stones thing. Um, you you need to know about those characters to help the payoff in Infinity War better? Yes. 
So yeah, that was quite a left turn. That's all I guess it was just more entertaining than I expected. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if, if you weren't if we weren't doing a watch along like have I watched it on my own, I would have laughed my ass off way more. I don't know why you need to not laugh while I was there. It's fine. Uh, Guardians Two, I think, kind of I don't want to say falters, but hits a lot of the same beats. And they don't go into, you know, what Guardian 1s go to like four or five places. Guardians 2 kind of stays in the same place the whole movie. And it's like, eh, can we see anything new here? No, we're just stuck on this one ego planet. Like, oh. Well, that's okay, I guess. But before we, uh, nah, we'll get to that at the end. Never mind, never mind. Edit that part out. Uh, after Guardians, I believe we moved on to Infinity yeah. War. And I have very little negative to say about Infinity War. So, what did you think of it first? Oh my! Oh, in fact, let me tell you, um, it's quite possibly the greatest I've ever seen in that genre. I mean, after when the credits started, after we were watching it, my first words that came in my mouth when I looked at you, I said, "Oh God!" You know, after what we just saw, yeah, experience. I mean, it wasn't to me. It was. It's not just a superhero movie. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. It is both a, gam a risky gamble in terms of, you know, the bad guy winning, quote-unquote. Um, all the the facets of character work, the interaction between different characters from different films for the first time ever, you know. The smaller payoffs of characters dying. Um, I guess you can't say payoffs for that, but you know what I mean. The smaller emotional beats and the smaller logical beats. And yes, not everything makes total sense. Yes, maybe the things Doctor Strange does are kind of stupid. I understand that. But it leads to the emotional payoff of taking such a, a big gamble of, okay, you guys fucked up bad because of emotions. And it's like, well, now Thanos got his got what he wanted and won. Uh, won the day, won the film. And it's, you know, besides Civil War, I think Infinity War is the most well universally liked film and of like objectively liked in terms of all the mcu films and because it is i can't say because because the risk was cut so bolder in that shit it's just like it works the character work in that is so well done that it way outweighs you know any logical inconsistencies yeah but um but holy crap it was very dramatic and emotional in that movie that was another thing about it and then I think we waited a day to see yeah, the yeah. game. Yeah, just so hold on. I'll let you in suspense yeah, on just that. Just hold on, man. Um, I even told the, the the guys I talked to who asked me about what you think of those movies. So, and I said, uh, although I did not admit it to you when I was watching that, but I almost cried twice while watching Infinity War. It's very emotional. Yeah, no, I'm not. Even begrudging. Yeah, even the ones I barely knew, I felt it too. The emotion from it. Yeah, because the fucking acting was really good, and the script was really good. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm sure back in your day, waiting for Avengers Endgame must have been dreadful back then. We, You waited a day. I had to wait. Me and Sizzy had to wait a full year. And I don't think I said anything after watching Infinity War. Like, for a while. It just sits with you, right? Like, the amount of time between... Uh, let's just say Spider-Man, because he was the last one to disappear, and credits. There's a hefty bit of time there. The movie just sits there, and no one does anything. 
They just look around and they let you sit with this notion that the bad guy won. And this, I can honestly, like in terms of like edginess, or, or, with the exception of edginess, this hasn't been done since Empire Strikes Back. The key difference being, the end of Empire Strikes Back isn't uh, Luke got his hand chopped off and Han got frozen. The end is, Han got frozen, we're going after him, here's a new hand. There's a bit of hope at the very last few minutes of Empire Strikes Back, even if the good guys, quote-unquote, ultimately lost the film. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's another thing about old Empire Strikes There's Back. There's no hope at the end yeah, of Infinity yeah, at War. at the old Empire Strikes Back is that none of there were no major character deaths on that one. It's not about that, you know, the whole... Yeah. But, but people always cite that, right? They're like, oh, what's a groundbreaking film? It's like Empire Strikes Back because they had the, the gall to show the bad guys winning. I was like... Empire Strikes Back ends on an upswing, guys. It, it ends on hope. Infinity War does not end on hope. It ends on despair. I guess hope if you're a big fan of Thanos, because he gets to sit on his farm and go, I did it. I'm the boss. Yep, now I can just retire and go home and be happy. Watch the sunrise in a grateful universe. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, before you, before we talk about the end game, um, I mean, yeah, you went to, you know, do your daily routine. Uh, since it was on a Monday, because we watched it mainly on the weekend, those past films. I had to go to work. We don't need to talk yeah. about that. Um, I was mentally preparing myself uh, to watch Endgame. Um, even, um, <laughs> I even uh, told us to friends that I was basically shadow boxing. That's another way to, you know, you know, prepare yourself for something mentally, you know. It's like, like, like I'm, I was expecting a big fight feel, like it's the main event that's going to be coming in Endgame. I was actually excited to see the conclusion of this thing. It's it's it was all set. Everything has been set up, and Endgame is the payoff, right? Yeah. As, to use these words we always use. Um, you know what the stakes are, so and we know. Well, we can't say we know the end, but we hope we know what the end is. So the film rolls around, and right off the bat they say, "Okay, you guys failed. We're gonna go try it again," and it's like five years later. It's like that when I first saw that I was floored. It's like, fuck! They just they stayed with it. They just let them sit in their loss. And it's like, man, that's ballsy. To me, those that that opening like twenty minutes of film is way more gutsy than anything in Infinity War, because it's just like, no, we're living with this consequence. Now, unfortunately, here in twenty twenty two, they don't live with the consequence. But at the time, it's like, man, I can't believe you guys just let it sit. You just you just let them lose. It's like, what the fuck is the rest of this movie? Yeah, it's basically, it's like, yeah, we did that, so now let's just, um, yeah, that's what it feels like with me. Yeah, let's just move on. It's like, oh, how do we move on? Time travel shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, it, man. It's almost like, you know what? Life sucks. Let's go back in time. <laughs> if we're the more cynic, that person would say. See, now, a lot of people like Endgame's emotional payoffs. They don't like, and I understand this, the logical inconsistencies. Basically, Endgame is a big undo button, right? The whole point is to reverse Thanos' snap. So we have to get the stones back. Well, the stones don't exist anymore for reasons that aren't important right now. But they used to exist, so we'll just go back to when they used to exist and get them. And this creates its own set of problems that they sort of attempt to explain not very well in the film. Hulk is like, oh, if you go past, that becomes future. And it's like... <sighs> I mean, I guess, for this movie's consistency, sure. 
And then, you know, another big complaint is it's, it's a lot of goofiness and silliness. Yeah, silliness we're just, yeah, we're, yeah, we're just trying to lift up for those that remember the events of the thing. We're just trying to lift up. I, 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 I told you at the time, I think it was a purposeful treatment to be lighter in tone up until the third act because of how dour and the ending of Infinity War was. Like, they wanted a huge upswing. They wanted way more positivity in Endgame. I think that was a studio, like, mandate. And that's the other weird thing about Endgame. This is the first time we're going to have to talk about this. Is Feige and uh, Victoria Alonso and Marvel Studios got more involved in the filmmaking process at this point. There was a ton of reshoots in Endgame. They had to change a bunch of shit. The movie, therefore, was made longer. There was the whole uh, girl power moment montage mandate. It's just like real life seeping in. And it's like, oh man, is this going to be what happens in the future? And yes, indeed, that is what happened in the future of Marvel, is more studio interference, specifically Feige and Alonso. And they're still fucking with it to this day, to its severe detriment. And I do not mind one but bit. I, That's more of a me thing, personally, the, based on how for, I was raised. For Endgame, I don't mind it. For now, where we are in current Marvel, I absolutely have a problem with it. For the emotional payoffs of Endgame, I think, are worth the logical inconsistencies. The payoffs are different than what they set up, yes. But I think the payoff was worth it well enough. I think the idea of, we brought everyone back, and our, our, the cost was basically all of the original Avengers. Uh, we, had the, we severely damaged them you know, for both meta reasons in terms of, like, movie contracts and for in-universe reasons of, like, oh, you guys are the future now and we are the past. Um, we didn't... I didn't bother with the credits in Endgame because there's no post credit scene, but during the credits of Endgame, it has the original six actors, like, do signatures over their characters digitally. As if to say, ah, see, they, they were the original six in that montage, and now they're all pretty much gone. And the ones who are left are fucking shells of their former selves. And that's another big complaint. So, I'll finally turn this over to you. Oh. Did you have a problem with Fat Thor or Smart Hulk? Because those are people's number one and number two complaints. Oh, uh, Thor, you know, um, being out of shape. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I can understand that, um, that being a drunkard is just a way to cope with all the stress and depression that, that anybody could relate to. But then again, I never drank, so I don't know how I feel. Just Pe based on. But people think think that they're belittling Thor, making a joke of him in that film. Yeah, and as for um, Smart Hulk, I don't know much about that because uh, I wasn't around in that era of comics of how to, did this happen and all that. Well, it's stupid. So, in the comics, he's actually called Professor Hulk when he's the dual personality, shall we say? They merge the characters. But I still think that weakens both of them. Like, it makes... I think I said this to you at the time. It's like, they've made Hulk weaker and Bruce dumber. So, at the expense of mixing them so together. Weaker as in personality or in strength? Like, what do you mean? No, in strength-wise. Like, actual lifting heavy things. In the fucking first Avengers movie, he punches that giant space snake. Remember? In the, one of the best payoff scenes in the whole fucking movie. He's like, that's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Punch a giant space snake. And in Endgame, he's like, ah, oh, my arm, I can't fight. <laughs> the fucking scene where they go back to New York, and he's like, oh, I'm flipping over cars. Rawr. It's like, oh, man, you suck. So, yeah, I do I do agree with the whole problem. 
because they just didn't know what to do with Hulk. Like, they set up, like, Infinity Wars. Like, he doesn't want to fight anymore. It's like, well, what do we do with that? Like, I don't know. They're not one person. Ah, oh, man, that's not the way to do it. I can understand the conflict right. between the two. Yeah. But then, then it's no longer a conflict. Now it's emerging. They're one entity now. You've taken two characters and shrunk them into one character. Which I think is a detriment, but such as it is. The payoff, I think, is worth it in terms of, like, he's the only one who can resist the gamma radiation to, do, to undo the snap to bring everyone back. Whoop, motorcycle. I didn't that part up. But, uh... You know, he's the only one who can take, take the gamma radiation to snap everyone back from dust. Uh... But Tony's the one that gets all the credit, which is a very weird thing, because he, he's the one that actually kills all Thanos' forces and stuff. I think that final fight with the, the three main guys and Thanos is probably the best stuff that's really bogged down by extra shit. Like, the keep-away glove crap? That wasn't needed. And then it's like, quick, give it to the person who can fly, and they fly right towards Thanos. I was like, you stupid bitch, what are you doing? I was just smiling a little, just based on that and reliving a scene in my head. <laughs> It's basically like, but it's good action. It's yeah, good it's action, still, right? But it's just like illogical as hell. Hey, sometimes you make irrational decisions during a fight. Of it's like, okay, well, let's choose this move to you know, get after him and all that. And then you know, I don't want to, I don't want to drag this podcast down with nitpicks and breakdowns. It was like, oh, why didn't Doctor Strange use a portal? Oh, why didn't Captain Marvel fly straight up? Oh, why didn't fucking Iron Man fly straight up? Why didn't they? bring the van fucking closer you know it's like why do they need to get to the goal it's like there's so many questions that can't be answered because they didn't set out to it's answer because it's happening at the heat of the moment it's just there i guess if you want to take that side but i don't even think i can't disabuse the question because i asked a lot of them myself first time watching but i i man i have such trouble going back and forth you know i'm of two minds of everything i, I see both sides of everything so it's like, okay, they did something dumb so we could have a cool part. But if they did something smart, maybe it wouldn't be as cool. Mm. <laughs> so you have to decide. It's like, ultimately, this is entertainment based on comics or superheroes. And if we can get logical consistency and set up and payoff, awesome. If we only get emotional payoff, I think that's still good enough. I would prefer both. Uh... But if we only get one or one over the other, that's fine too. You know, if you're not super happy with how these 22 movies ended, like, eh, not much you can do about it. And uh, certainly, order is better than what came after. Endgame is uh, is the end point for a lot of people, and there are two what I like to call bonus Spider-Man movies: Far From Home and uh, No Way Home. That I, I, you know, if you want to watch them, whatever. But anything else after Endgame and certain Marvels, like. They've assassinated Thor and Hulk and Doctor Strange and, to a smaller degree, the Guardians. And absolutely character assassinated Black Widow after her death, which is amazing. Uh, character assassinated Captain America after his death. They're going to do that to Iron Man here in the Ironheart thing. Uh, Hawkeye was a disaster. Loki was terrible. Falcon Winter Soldier was abysmal. WandaVision made her evil. It's like they had no plans after Endgame. They were just doing whatever. And it's really, really sad to you know see where we were versus where we are now. It's like we hit the peak, and it is all downhill from here. If, if, if I, I yes, your opinion. But if I'm gonna use a little <laughs> wrestling analogy here, even though we don't often use sure. that, it's kind of like when the 
the WWF won the Monday Night War after WCW was bought, and then it's like, okay, now you are at the pick of the top. Now you could just do whatever the hell you want at this point. And what they chose to do was a lot of dumb shit. That cost them viewers that they've never recovered. I mean, that's the only analogy I could think of because it's the only thing that I could compare in my head. That's not a bad that's not a bad analogy. Uh, because, you know, at the peak, you know, pro wrestling had, what, 10 million people yeah. watching? What's the peak now? Two, if we're lucky? Yes. So, yeah, there's a huge drop-off, and it's not generational. It's just worse. No, it's slowly declined <laughs> like during of, the years. Not sudden. Yeah, it wasn't a tumble. You're right, you're right, you're right. And Marvel, to be fair, also isn't a tumble. It's a slow decline. But economy being worse certainly helps speed to the decline in terms of what people are willing to spend money on. Like, you know, Avengers made a billion and a half, or uh, Endgame, I should specify, made like a billion and a half dollars at one point or some nonsense. Maybe even more than that. I'm not good with numbers. But then you to like, okay, what came after that? It's like Spider-Man made less money. And then all the other Spider-Man made more money because it had the two other Spider-Man in it. And it's like, okay, sure, that makes sense, I guess. Sony property. And then, you know, Eternals made very little money and nobody went to sell Shang-Chi and Black Widow didn't make a lot of money and uh, fucking Thor or Doctor Strange 2 ruined the box office for Thor because of how bad it was. If you only care about box office numbers and if you don't care, I understand. You know, it's irrelevant, but the, I think the box office numbers are a consequence of the decline in quality of the films. And there's been no quality of the TV shows whatsoever. So it's it's... It's so bittersweet to go back to these movies for me because it's like, man, I wish it had ended with Endgame. It's like, whatever problems you have with what they did to Black Widow and Hulk and Thor in Endgame, they've done all three of those people so much worse after the fact. Well, let me say something here. I mean, I, we never talked about my thoughts on the movie Endgame. Really? I'm sorry. I kept talking so damn much. I know. You have a tendency to do that, but still... Oh, my actual thoughts after watching Endgame, I was said um, it was great, a satisfying conclusion to the Infinity Saga. And when my uh, friends asked, well, one friend in particular of mine, uh, asked me, it's like, did you cry? And I said, uh, almost did once, unlike two in uh, Infinity War, in which he asked me which scene. And I said, well, I would say after all this I've seen, I almost cried when Tony Stark died in Endgame. Because, you know, we started with him and Iron Man 2 as part of these marathon of movies been watching. Felt like knew him longer than all the others. Well, I saw him in theaters in 2008. I knew him longer. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it makes feel like it, even though it's in a span of four to three days. Uh, and, yeah, and, that's the other thing. We, got, we did kind of Yeah, and on. he even asked me, uh, it's like, well, what about that scene when Natasha died? And I said, I didn't cry on that one, but I felt pretty bummed about it. But I feel a lot worse for Clint having to see that. But, but. Well, it, it, it re. Hold on. I want to back up what you said. It recontextualizes what came after. Now that you have more context for Hawkeye and the Black Widow movie, doesn't that make those properties worse because of how it was done in Endgame? Yeah, and that's what I also said. It's like, looking back and knowing what I know now, I'm at peace with Natasha Steph on that scene. She wanted to go out on her own terms. If it was the other way around, we would have never gotten to the events of the Hawkeye series, which I really enjoy, and we'd have never gotten to meet Kate Bishop, who would go on to become my favorite Marvel character currently, as well as my new favorite female character in general, replacing Sydney Bristow from Alias. Ah, man. 
People can like different things. Yeah. I like things you don't, and you like things I don't, and we're, that's okay, <laughs> you know. It's, it's just the way yeah. it is. Who knows? Maybe I could like those future Marvel movies, whereas you may not if you aren't going to be around for those. It's it's kind of like we're going to use another analogy. It's almost like you're of the uh, the old Avengers, and I must be one of the young ones, you know, the young Avengers and all that. So it's, I would be into the new ones. I don't ones. know about that. And it's an all new, all different Avengers, unfortunately, which is a different writing team. Which I don't know how much ideology we want to get into here in this long ass podcast, but like in terms of like, you know, we've replaced ideology for storytelling here. That, that's what's happened. You know, we've thought ideology is more important than telling a good story. And when our budget is smaller and our story is lessened and I'm not interested in the new characters, it's like, okay, what's here for me then? If there's no emotional payoff, if there's no logical consistency, if there's no characters I give a shit about, what's left? The name of Marvel? Buddy, I've read thousands of Marvel comics. Thousands. I've seen every story you guys can possibly write. I've read every character you can possibly write. You're not showing me anything here. So I, I get my Marvel stuff through like online reviewers. I don't watch the content itself. I watch, you know basically takedowns of the of the new shit because it's all shit but uh you can say well aren't you still consuming it it's like yeah i guess but i'm not giving disney in my fucking money now the avengers video game they're gonna introduce winter soldier it's like oh cool a guy with a gun (laughs) yeah because black world is the only one that could be cool and again it's divorced from the mcu unless they give him you know the eyeliner from the movie or something which movie That'll probably be a skin. Civil War, remember when he... No, not Civil War. Uh, Winter Soldier, when he had all that eye makeup on him? Yeah. And probably add that as an extra skin. But anyways, overall, the whole saga, such as it is... What, what you... Still holds up to this day based on what you've told me about it and now that I've seen it and experienced it all, I, all I could say is that I'm just very fortunate that I've lived long enough in this life to, to watch all these type of films that are revered in many people's eyes yes and league's better than the dc stuff because <laughs> we didn't talk about it much but before any of the marvel movies i showed you we watched the suicide squad which in my opinion is the best uh dc movie that they've done in the, like the dceu snaggerverse whatever horse shit you want to call it because for the most part they're a fucking nightmare mess uh have logical inconsistencies they've got a shit ton of emotional payoff way too few logical inconsist- logical consistencies uh, but, this, but I think that's like these movies are good because they tried their best they had the best writers and the best directors and the best actors and the best special effects the best ideas and they melded them well together rather than just throw this guy this guy this guy this guy just go go make money it's like it makes money because it's good and it will keep going it will keep making money as long as it keeps being good. When you separate good ideas for ideology, you lose money. You know, I don't want to quote a phrase here. Because you don't go broke immediately, you go broke slowly, which is probably worse. But uh, that's just my those are my thoughts on the Marvel films. It was a great ride, uh, but uh, it'll never be the same. Yeah, it's almost like once in a lifetime. Pretty much, yeah. If I cared about Lord of the Rings, I'd probably feel that same way about the new Lord of the Rings thing. It's like, oh, those movies are really great, and the books, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, the new Amazon TV show's ass. It's like, yeah, probably. 
Uh, let's wrap this up. Anything else you want to say? But what, what are your future projects? Um, besides the ongoing Crusader of Kings three series with that <laughs> that trade empire series that I've been doing at this point, with the whole Trans-Saharan trade and the maritime Silk Road at this point, even though it's all mainly taking place in one continent, in, which is in Africa, just the northern half anyway. Uh, with, which is a series I've been doing called Alfragani. That's the name of our dynasty of a Sogdian origin. But it's not set in Sogdia, but set in originally Libya, then expanded to Egypt. And then we went to Morocco, Oregon Trail style, um, in terms of getting away from those people. And we're going to establish our own promised land. And we did just that. And then we came back to Egypt and made it part of our domain. And then we expanded further, taking the islands of Sakatra and even all the way into Persia again. It's the whole, the trade of, on this side of the world, silk. And then on our side of the world, in that part of Africa, Trans-Saharan. It's the, it's, it's the search for more money. Uh, any more GTA or Red Dead videos on the uh, horizon? A little bit more of a Red Dead videos that I've recorded previously, but it hasn't been posted yet. Uh, but they're scheduled to be posted on certain days. And as for, uh, as of this recording... I, I probably wouldn't make any promises considering I don't know when this is coming up. As of this recording, um, as for the GTA series of videos, 179 is the current. It'll go over 180 soon. And there's a possibility that I may record even more of those videos as there's about five... On your Series S? No. Because, uh, no, 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 that's a whole other story. Don't have much time on that. But all I could say is there's a possibility that I might make it up to 200 videos. That would be at a great milestone. Of course, the next Oregon Trail video, that'll be coming in September, since I do one every three months. And, and September is around that time of the month that I would do the next Oregon Trail video. And then on October on Halloween, the Oregon Trail, you know, the zombie apocalypse edition of that. Oh, yes. Uh... And whatever else that I may get And where into. can people find these videos? Well, you can find those videos of mine on the Lord Master channel. Do you want me to spell it out for you? Yeah, I'll put the link in the yeah, thing. Thank you, because I don't want to uh, mess up again. Like the last few times. I am on... I am only... Uh, you find this silly podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and internetsworse.com. You have to put the W's or it doesn't work. I still haven't figured out how. Why not? I am on Twitter at Loki Jarson. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.